Welcome, thanks for being with us today. As Dan and Margie said, we're continuing our series on the book of Daniel. Today we're in Daniel chapter 6, a really famous passage about Daniel in the lion's den. We're going to unpack that in a few moments time. But we've reached almost halfway in this series now. As Dave said last week, the book of Daniel is split into two parts, chapters 1 to 6 and chapters 7 to 12. And so today, Daniel chapter 6 is the end of the first half. We are taking a short break. Next week, we're going to hear from Gavin Calver. Gavin's the CEO of the EA, the Evangelical Alliance. He recorded a talk a few months ago for any EA member church to use which we were really blessed by he's recorded another one which we're going to show next Sunday and I think you'll potentially be even more blessed with this one I just felt this was a really good timely message to the church and so we want to play that next week and then the following week two weeks today we'll pick up on chapter seven of Daniel and run the series through to the end Daniel chapter 6, Daniel in the lion's den, is a fantastic story. But more than that, it points to our salvation and what Christ has done for us, which I'll unpack at the end of this message. It's a story that's told in churches right around the world. It's probably one of the most famous Old Testament stories. It's a Sunday school favourite. I heard it many times when I was younger and in Sunday school, but it is a great story. It is a great reminder of a number of things that I want to unpack this morning. But let's read the passage in Daniel chapter 6. It says this. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, oh, King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisers and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or man except you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you. O king, or to the decree you put in writing. 
He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I done, ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations and men of every language throughout the land. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. What a great account. What a great story. There's three points I want to bring out this morning in what I think will be just a simple, straightforward, hopefully inspiring preach on this passage. So the three points are number one, Daniel was trustworthy, neither corrupt nor negligent. Number two, persecution and hardship pushed Daniel into God and number three God didn't take the situation away but was with Daniel and protected him from the lions so number one then Daniel was trustworthy neither corrupt nor negligent they wanted to find grounds for a charge against Daniel but they couldn't find any they resolved that the only way they could bring some sort of charge against him was to be something to do with God his God that he worshipped the same God that we worship today but they couldn't find anything amiss with Daniel the only thing they could pin on him was his dedication to his God they realized that he was trustworthy in all his government affairs everything he did he was trustworthy He wasn't corrupt. He wasn't negligent. What an example for us to follow. It's been a recent story that's come out, revelation that's come out about a very well-known Christian teacher and evangelist who was found. He died last year, but he was he was found to have been involved in real corruption and misconduct. And it was really saddening. There's been a few of these instances over 
the last year or so that have come out of significant Christian leaders who have been found wanting in their personal lives. And I don't in any way want to stand in judgment on anyone, but it is a warning to us all. It's a warning to be accountable to one another, especially those of us involved in leadership. I love being part of a great church. I love the the support that I have and accountability with a few other men that I stand with and invite into my life and invite to speak into my life and who I'm very honest with. I think it's really important. I love being part of our BCC's family of churches, also the Forge Network of Churches in the south of England. There's great support, great encouragement with leaders and that's really important. I want to take Daniel's example here of how trustworthy and how well he did things. He was full of integrity in all his government affairs. That's a reminder to us all. And with these these revelations that have come to light recently about Christian leaders, we want to, I want to make sure that I conduct myself well and I have integrity in my personal life. How important is that? When I was in the police, I start one of these stories when I was in the police, I sometimes wonder if there's a bit of a groan sometimes when I start stories like this. Not another police story, Andy, but I hope you don't mind another one. But when I was in the police, I had this occasion when I stopped a car and I was suspicious of the driver and I took his details, his name, address, date of birth, things like that, and did some inquiries as to who he was and what kind of license insurance he had to drive the car. I was pretty sure he wasn't insured or licensed, and so I ended up seizing the car. But I was also pretty suspicious that he'd given me false details. And so I put some things in place at the time that I could go meant I could go back and revisit it if he had indeed given me false details. Later on, I put the file in and it was going to court and and it came to light that he had given me false details. And so I I found out who he really was. I went and arrested him, questioned him about it. And he claimed that it was actually a very close family member who really resembled him that I'd stopped and had given false details that it wasn't him. But it was very clear that it was him. And so I ended up putting another prosecution file in uh, for those matters as well. And during this process, this person made a complaint against me, saying that I treated them unfairly, that I didn't have integrity in my dealings and that I was accusing him falsely. And so our PSD department, Professional Standards, started to investigate me as to what I had done and how I'd conducted this investigation, how I'd treated this driver. And they quickly found that I'd done nothing wrong. And it was very clear why this allegation came forward. And so the detective who was originally investigating me actually then came and joined me in trying to prove this case against the driver. And I share that story because it is one that came to mind when I was reading this passage and preparing for today, that Daniel was so full of integrity in his government affairs. And of course, I worked as, as a police officer on behalf of the, the government. And, uh, and, and I wanted to do that with all integrity. And I did in this situation. And, and that was recognised as such. But we want to take our lead from Daniel. You may not be involved in government affairs, whatever sphere of life, whatever work you may do or whatever connections you have. Let's make sure that we do what we do with full of integrity and full of the life of God. Let's make sure we're like Daniel, trustworthy, not corrupt, not negligent, but doing everything to the best of our ability, working unto the Lord, as it says in the New Testament, and doing everything, being seen as those who are trustworthy not corrupt 
and not negligent in any way. So that was point number one. Point number two, persecution and hardship pushed Daniel into God. Daniel's response to not being allowed to worship his God was to shut himself away in his room and to continue doing what he did before. It says he prayed three times a day. That's what he did before this situation. That's what he continued to do. He didn't allow this accusation to deflect from his personal prayer life, his connection, his relationship with God. And that's a challenge to me and maybe it's a challenge to you as well. When we hit hardship, when we hit difficult times, maybe it's persecution, maybe it's false accusation, maybe it's a worldwide pandemic. But when we hit hard times, let us be like Daniel. Let us be those who won't allow the situation to to interfere somehow with our relationship with God. Let's continue to push into God. You know, when we face hard times, Often we have a couple of choices or it can affect us maybe in some way. Sometimes it can pull us away from God or it can push us into God. And I pray that for us as a church that this situation would push us into God, that it would push us and help us to develop our relationship further and deeper with God. I remember in May 2019 when my dad died, I was praying for a family member who I knew this was either going to pull him away from God or push him into God. And praise God, it pushed him into God. And so often that happens. God uses tough situations to push us into him. Let's allow him to do a work in us during this really difficult time to push us into him, not pull us away. At the end of Matthew chapter five in the New Testament, we read about Jesus teaching about persecution and love for our enemies. He says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. He says, it's easy to love those who love us, who are kind to us, who are good to us. That's easy. But what about those who are unkind to us? What about treating them well? What about loving them through that? And then into Matthew chapter 6. Jesus encourages us not to put a show on to try and look godly in front of other people, but to be faithful and upright in what we do. He encourages us to go into our room. He says this in in verse six of chapter six. When you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This seems very much like what Daniel did in difficult circumstances getting into God and seeking him. He faced persecution in a godly way, not for show, not to try and impress people, not to kind of show how godly and good he was, but to honour his God. And at the end of chapter five there in Matthew that I just talked about, Jesus talked about persecution. History has told us that the church tends to grow under persecution. Daniel was facing persecution. Maybe it's because the or maybe the the result of that persecution is that it can push us into God. And it certainly did with Daniel. And as I say, let's let's pray that it will do the same for us. Let's seek God in this time. In John chapter six, again, in the New Testament, many disciples were deserting Jesus because of his challenging teaching. And Jesus goes to his 12 disciples and says, you're not going to leave me too, are you? And the disciples turned around and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words 
of eternal life. Hard times will either pull you away from God like it did for many of Jesus' disciples or it will push you into God like it did with Jesus' closest 12. Let's be like them. Let's understand that the words of eternal life are in Christ Jesus. And in hard times, let's stick with him. Where else would we go? Who else would we put our trust in? God is Lord of all and is with us during this time. So that was point number two. And then finally, point number three. God didn't take the situation away, but was with Daniel and protected him from the lions. What a story of deliverance and protection. The mouths of the lions were closed and Daniel was untouched. He walked out the next day unharmed. It's so clear that God had rescued him, that the king was forced to recognise Daniel's God. The king in the first place we read here in chapter 6 didn't want this to happen to Daniel. He'd kind of been backed into a corner where he'd made this decree and he was forced to have to honour it. It couldn't be repealed as we've written. How glad the king was to see the God of Daniel reinforcing again for him that God of Daniel was the one true God. Here we have to understand that Daniel wasn't spared this tough situation. A law was passed to stop him worshipping his God. He was spied on. His privacy was violated. He was betrayed to the king for praying to his God. He was thrown into the lions, forced to endure a whole night with them. God didn't spare Daniel from that horrific series of events that culminated in him being thrown into the den. But God was clearly with him during it. God delivered him in that situation. And I think we need to understand going through this pandemic that God in his wisdom has allowed it to happen. We don't have all the answers. We wish it would end. We wish life could get back to some sort of normality with whatever the new things that God wants to do in place. But God hasn't taken away this tough time from us and we must believe that God is working and doing something through it. But let's believe that God can deliver us. Let's believe that we can see something of the redemption and and freedom that God has for us through this situation let's believe that God is a God who rescues and can do it for us as well but as Joy reminded us when a few weeks ago she preached on Daniel chapter 3 with the fiery furnace even if he does not I will still worship God even if you feel like in the past you haven't seen that deliverance you prayed for and believed for let's be those who say even though I'm going to stick with God and I'm going to worship him because he is good. Before I finish and in conclusion, I just want to make some comparisons with this story and the life of Jesus, because I believe it points forward to Christ and some of the things that Christ went through and a reminder of him and all he's done for us. So some comparisons between Daniel and Jesus. So both Daniel and Jesus were men full of integrity and weren't corrupt. Of course, Jesus is the ultimate example here, the sinless one. I'm not trying to claim that Daniel was on a par with Jesus. He wasn't. But both these men were full of integrity, full of full of uprightness, full of truth. Secondly, both Daniel and Jesus were close to the father. They both modelled a life of prayer. Again, Jesus was the absolute perfection of that 
But Daniel went and prayed three times a day, pushed into God in the tough times. We see Jesus, nights of prayer, pushing into God in the Garden of Gethsemane in his tough time. Both men modelled a life of prayer. Both Daniel and Jesus were falsely accused. Both men were subjected to a plot to bring them down. Both of these men were sentenced to death. Daniel in the lion's den, Jesus on the cross. Both were hidden away. Daniel was hidden away in this lion's den for the night. Jesus was placed in the tomb after he had died on the cross. For both these men, a stone was rolled over the entrance. For Daniel over the entrance to the den. For Jesus over the entrance to the tomb where he was buried. In both cases, the stone was sealed with the king's seal. In Daniel's case to prevent him coming out. In Jesus' case, they were worried that the disciples would steal the body and claim that Jesus had risen. Both these men had a miraculous deliverance and escape. Daniel was freed from the lion's den. Jesus rose from the grave. And praise God that he did. So Daniel chapter 6, in the lion's den, a great story of deliverance, of difficulty, but deliverance in that difficulty, in that hardship but it points forward to Jesus our saviour our hero who obtained an amazing deliverance for us through his cross and his resurrection we're coming up towards Easter where we will celebrate that again but let's remember this brilliant story of deliverance but let's remember the one who's who's won the ultimate deliverance from us freedom from sin freedom from our old life an invitation into a life shared with him, a life lived to the full. Bless you.